0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from nine to ten AM and Sundays from eight thirty to nine thirty AM for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. dot com.
1: This is Rebecca Turner and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Supertalk Mississippi Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Super Talk Mississippi app. And of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. You can watch us too. You can head on over to supertalktv.com on your computer or your mobile device. You'll see I'm not alone in the studio today. We're here to celebrate the fact that Mississippi is not only the most giving state of their money, but also of their time through volunteering and joining us today is Monica she's the executive director of volunteer Mississippi and we got Miss Corey who's also with the organization welcome
3: ladies thank you, thank you so us. happy to be here well I
1: you know Monica you have been here before but we realized man it's just been a minute since we've, been a minute we have caught up and so when someone first asks like what is volunteer Mississippi or maybe when you go to sort of share your mission or what you guys do how do you
3: kind of explain all the goodness you guys do well, unfortunately, we are the best kept secret in the like state, that. and we don't want to be anymore. So, how I would explain our mission is that we work to engage and support Mississippians of all ages and background in service to their community. We want to promote volunteerism, increase volunteerism, we want to recognize volunteerism. We oversee um, federal AmeriCorps grants that we subgrant in the state. So, it's how like long the did domestic we have we had a Corps. volunteer mississippi or how long has the organization been well um volunteer mississippi was created under executive order in 1994 by kirk fordice all right oh so you've been around for you are a yes. best kept secret math we is hard
1: but I'm like 9404 you're going on close to um, tw- 20 years Right? No, no, 20, 30, 30 years that 30 year? is so hard on a rainy day <laughs> no it's just hard anyway Corey you mentioned mm-hmm. um, that you were first I guess a part of the organization as a volunteer or with it so how did you come to, to know Volunteer Mississippi well I have been a fan for years um,
4: thankfully I grew up volunteering uh, with my grandparents in Amory Mississippi um, and I've tried to be a volunteer my entire life uh, formerly I was at the Department of Education and our former state superintendent dr carrie wright um, was a commissioner on the board and actually um, uh, sent me as her designee so i was able to serve as a commissioner in her place um, for about a year and a half and just fell in love with this organization and just couldn't get enough of it and how can i get more involved and so when when Monica um, stole uh, her away <laughs> <laughs>
1: you, you can't be you can't be stealing her, keep stealing folks away though but I think yeah. it's for uh, it's for a good cause and it's because y'all do a lot of good and I think anytime someone sometimes when you bring up the word volunteer it's either people are like Ugh, I don't wanna go I don't wanna do it and then once they get there it's like this bloom of excitement and energy and you don't recognize what vol what good volunteering does for you to get out and sort of be a part and then there's others like you Corey that's been volunteering because mm-hmm. you've got you got it you got the fact that it can do you as much good as it does your community but it does the community a whole lot of good Monica what wouldn't happen or maybe what a better word would be what does happen from the great volunteers that Mississippi uh, has that gets out in their communities
3: oh my gosh what doesn't happen That's what was I mean, yes, yeah every I mean it's the whole gamut I mean from disaster response um, Mississippians come out in droves to help their neighbors to tutoring children to environmental to I mean you you name it and volunteers are out there doing it helping their uh, bringing their neighbor food I mean, Mississippians are famous for that, you know. You have a sick family member, somebody that passes, and your house is just full of food. I mean, there's so many different ways that Mississippians volunteer. And through Volunteer Mississippi, you must have an extensive
1: sort of organizational way of coordinating everybody, herding the cats, and then sending them out where they're best needed. Is that kind of how the hub organization works, or how are you connected with all the different smaller communities throughout our state?
3: Well, I'm going to let Corey tell you about our amazing new online platform yeah. that she created herself um, that is available throughout the state and it's free. So we are so excited. We just uh, relaunched our website.
4: It's volunteermississippi.org. And on this site, it's created to be an easy place to go for volunteers to find ways to volunteer all over the state. And when they go there, there's a button. You can't miss it. It says Volunteer Now. It pulls up a calendar, and it has all the volunteer opportunities that we are aware of um, throughout the state. You can search it by your city, uh, by the type of volunteer uh, organization you want to work with. And so that's there. But the great thing is that any organization in Mississippi can go to the same site and they click the button that says submit opportunities. They submit those opportunities and what we do, our mission is to then to connect those volunteers with those opportunities and get them going all over the state. And so we have had a service similar before, but this one is, we're so excited because it's user friendly. it's easy- easy to use, it's free it costs nothing for any volunteer to go to the site and it costs nothing for any organization to submit their opportunities on the site and then we in turn help promote them we put them on our social on our emails on our website and then are out and thankfully like today you inviting us letting people know about it because we are
1: mississippi's best kept secret and we want to change that I really think that and I think that's cool that you have an opportunity for people to submit asking for volunteers as a way to sort of let them know hey these opportunities are here I know that I think at every high school student as well as some college kids um, are looking for those hours those volunteer hours and now it sounds like maybe they can instead of just asking around which is fine I mean don't you don't necessarily have to stop doing that they might find something that better suits or fits whatever they're going into or their interest or closer to home or find something new that they didn't even know that they wanted to get out and volunteer and volunteer with how many volunteers do you guys have in your network or on your email list or do you keep up with that
4: we have thousands. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, thousands. We, we, to our volunteer list that we, in fact, we just sent out an email um, this week and last week about our upcoming opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to send out one a week with the volunteers' opportunities of the week, and we have, I think over 5,000, you know, volunteers on that list that that have registered through our site. And anytime you go to our website, you can sign up to be added to our list. We hope to build that and make it grow and grow
1: and grow and grow. Well, now I know why y'all have a giving award, because there's so many. There's thousands of Mississippians, Monica, out there who are um, on the regular answering the call and going out and giving of their time to sort of help. So let's talk about these give awards. How long have they
3: been going on? Well, give um, has been going on since 1993. So um, before the before the organization, <laughs> one year before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Math is hard, but we're going to figure it out today.
3: Well, there's a reason behind that, but yeah, we started in 1993 by former first lady Pat Fordice. Um, she wanted to help to have an annual event to help recognize our everyday heroes in the state. Um, and organizations that are out there serving and doing um, what they're passionate about giving of their their time and their skills so since 1993 we've had over 300 individuals and or organizations that have been recognized so who would fit the bill for a nomination any volunteer and we do have categories this year and they are listed out on our website. Um, Corey, you want to tell, them, tell sure. us about a couple so of So we like to them?
4: encourage all volunteers to, mm-hmm. to be submitted for this award. And, and anyone can nominate. It can be a friend, a family member, a co-worker, um, a boss, an employee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone can nominate a volunteer. And our categories, we have some new ones this year that we're very excited about. There are 10 give awards that we're giving out. But some of them are for individuals, some are for groups, uh, for a nonprofit organization. We have a new one for um, education institutions. So anything, any any school or charter school from K through 12, higher institutes of learning, um, college universities, they can win an award for their uh, volunteer curriculum or things that they're adding into their curriculum to teach volunteerism. Um, the First Lady, we're really excited about that. We have an upcoming or up and rising youth volunteer for mm-hmm. a student uh, 18 or under. We have um, some really, oh, a- another really fun one that I'm excited about mm-hmm. is a, a, the, family the Family Volunteer Award. So that we consider family two or more individuals mm-hmm. that are related and they can win an award for volunteering as their family, um, which I think is the best thing you can teach your kids right mm-hmm. now is to is to help your neighbor. How long does the nomination process take? It is so. It is not very long no, at all, and that's something we're easy. trying to tell people. Liter- literally, you go to our website. It's volunteermississippiorg um, dot org slash give, or you can go to the homepage and there's a button right on front. And the nominee, um, you just have to have their contact information, uh, where they serve or how they help their uh, their community. Uh, a a write up, 500 words or less, about um, what they're doing, and then um, you can have two references and some pictures. When do y'all give out the awards? April
3: 18th and we are so excited because Steve Azar is our Master of Ceremonies and along with the First Lady who will also be there to um, hand out the awards and congratulate the recipients. I feel like y'all are going to be back in April.
1: (laughs) we are so excited. I want to bring the youth with you. I think that one's really cool as well as 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 the family. Thank you ladies. Mm -hmm. What's the website again? VolunteerMississippi.org Spelled out. Vol- Spelled yes. out. Spelled out. All right. You guys stick with this. We got more for you coming up next.
5: Perfect. Wake up Wake up
3: Just one day. Three.
0: Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's good things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. I got rice cooking in the
2: microwave. Got a three-day beard I don't plan to shave, and it's a goofy thing, but I just gotta say, hey, I'm a doing all right. Yeah, I think I'll make me some
1: homemade soup. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always listen to us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And country music superstar superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford in Supertalk Mississippi they're giving you an opportunity to win some tickets just enter your name and contact info at one of our registration boxes located throughout the state for example you can register to win tickets by going to seals tire and auto in Gulfport Weathers Auto Supply in Oxford or Black Sheep Boutique oh my kind of place Black Sheep Boutique in Tupelo and there's many many more so you can just go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen you can find the full list of registration locations, winners will get two sweet seat tickets. They're special. They're VIP. They're better than anybody else that's going to be sitting there. Well, unless you're like on the front row or like, no, Morgan, that'd be different. But we, we don't have that. But we do have two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen perform at Vault Hemingway Stadium. That's coming up Sunday, April the 23rd. And this Morgan Wallen ticket giveaway is brought to you by First South Farm Credit King's Daughter Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. So there you go. It's going to be, it's going to be a good time. The Turners will be there, not in the sweet seats, and not on Sunday. We will be there on Saturday. It was part of our Christmas, so it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Praying for better weather than what we're having today. I think today is the perfect day for it to be National Optimist Day because I think we're all optimistic that the weather's going to get better, no matter where you are in Mississippi, except for maybe the Gulf Coast. You guys usually. Get a little bit better than we uh, the rest of us do, but it feels like maybe this weekend or coming up next week it's going to be sunny and bright. I feel it.
2: Well, unless the weatherman lied to us, this weekend should definitely be better for just about everybody in the Magnolia State than it is right now.
1: Leaving the office yesterday, I got uh, walking next to a very nice lady who was also huffing and puffing with me about the weather, and I said, Dear Jesus, please remind me of how miserable I was on this date when it's 100 degrees outside, and I'm praying for cooler weather, because tis mississippi we will we will eat our own words at about what six months apart from any any particular weather uh give or take but speaking of weather everybody was optimistic that maybe the groundhog would not see a shadow see a shadow i can't ever remember i I don't know i mean but whatever it is everybody's angry nobody's optimistic he was pessimistic how this year or whatever his name is and
2: um phil
1: puxitani phil
2: (laughs) Yeah, you never got that one. <laughs> he
1: is pessimistic Hal. That's just what we're gonna call it. You don't even get your traditional name. It's just pessimistic Hal. And um so I guess he saw his shadow or didn't?
2: I guess. Yes. The the way it works is if the groundhog, Pucks it Phil, sees his shadow, he goes back in the stump. Does and he really waits go back? For, no. Okay. He goes back to his luxurious lodgings is probably the best kept. Uh, best kept mammal in that entire region because it does get cold up there but yeah they have the little stump on wheels on a cart they bring out and people start showing up when it's still really dark out like not even not even the the kind of dark 30 where hunters are getting to the stand no, no 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 this is like two in the morning three in the morning people start showing up in droves to get a good spot to see the groundhog
1: has anybody ever thought maybe he's just an introvert he just comes out and he's like, whoa, you mean this is the one time of year I'm overwhelmed by people? Let me back myself back in here. And has anyone that feel like of all the stupid studies we talk about here on good things that come out for nonsense stuff for us to be smarter about, has anybody gone back and done some sort of data analysis on old pessimistic Hal and see if his predictions have like leaned one way or sort of the other and in terms of like the length well i mean i don't know how would you even judge that
2: according to the uh the NBC station in philadelphia somebody did do the math
1: i was gonna say that's like an easy spreadsheet for some nerd
2: and if you look at the last 50 predictions so going back 50 years Puxitani phil has an accuracy rate of 46 percent
1: that's better than i would have given him credit
2: for but he's predicted winter more often than not. Out of those fifty times, he's predicted it thirty-six times for six times, six weeks more winter. And uh,
1: what's their definition of winter, though?
2: Oh, I mean, they're up there in well, the in the <laughs> cold, wintry north.
1: <laughs> so snow or ice, yeah. like actual actual winter weather. Well, there you go. There's the odds. Maybe, maybe old pessimistic how will get it wrong this year, and it will be part of the you know this other percentage
2: and apparently somebody else dug back even farther and looked at all of his forecasts since he
1: because i'm not the only smart person that thought that'd be a good idea
2: he's apparently been forecasting the seasons on groundhog day at gobbler's knob since 1887
1: he's an old pessimistic cow
2: yes he is but if you go back that far he's only about 36 percent right
1: I didn't expect to go down this route but okay obviously the man had the 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 thing hadn't been alive the groundhog it has a name hasn't been a, alive for a hundred years or whatever so is it like royalty like is it the firstborn that gets to be the new groundhog do they choose a favorite one that always shows up with dad or grandma or whatever feel not sure like how do they choose who's next in line
2: I honestly don't know.
1: Because I mean, what's the average lifespan of a groundhog?
2: Now that's something I could probably Google.
1: <laughs> the French Canadian groundhog was found dead this morning. <laughs> I don't that shouldn't be funny. I don't know. The if average true.
2: lifespan of a male groundhog is 3 years.
1: So, and how long have uh, So they're
2: going to have to be changing out Phil pretty often.
1: Phil used to see his shadow or not. Now he puts his nose on one of those Two scrolls, and then someone reads the scroll. Really disappointed when I saw the change on TV all oh, this morning. Yeah. Well, if he's only around for every three years, it's an interesting bloodline. Maybe they should pick a different animal. I don't know. Like, let's, it's 21st century. Let's give the groundhogs a break. Or let's have multiple fields across the country and then have an average. Let's get a little bit more scientific.
2: And leave it to the people of PETA to come up with oh, the God. most harebrained idea. Yes. The, of course, they don't like Puxatani Phil being involved in this at all because he's an animal and he deserves to live free with his other groundhog buddies. But they've suggested using an A.I. groundhog. Oh, please.
1: Pessimistic Hal has the best living quarters of any groundhog on the face of the earth. He's doing fine. He's just an introvert who doesn't like people, and when you get to like lay up and be bougie for 364 days a year, and then that one day, all the family, all the community comes out, I mean, it's a little overwhelming, and so I'd probably, nine times out of ten, turn around
0: and I mean, put yourself Back in
2: Phil's position. You're, you're you're sitting there lux- luxuriously lounging in your little stump or your habitat, and all of a sudden, this dude in a big, oversized top hat just yoinks you out of there into the cold air, holds you up like Simba except without the music and all these people are screaming for you. Yeah, I'd pick going back in the hole too.
1: Absolutely. Scott and Clinton says the most photogenic groundhog wins. I wonder, you know? I mean, it's this there's more to this story. I just feel like we're only getting a little snapshot of how all this goes down over all these years. especially So you're the saying lifespan.
2: we need a live stream of the Puxatawney Phil beauty pageant?
1: F- yeah, Yes. And I bet
2: that talent portion is outstanding.
1: Oh, I bet it is. Absolutely. It would you got be the little intriguing. drum
2: set over there. You got the baton twirler for that one.
1: But now knowing how big Phil is, to know he goes from birth to death in three years. That's, well, that's a, the
2: average lifespan.
1: That's a big growth spurt in a small amount of time. I mean... So Like I said, <laughs> do groundhogs have holes? Because I feel like we really went down one with this one. But every year, and this is one of those things, you by this time, we're over it. We're over winter. We are completely just ready for you know some spring or some sunshiny weather, unless it's a weird shift in Mississippi. And we actually have lovely weather at this particular moment in time. You never know.
2: That's this weekend.
1: And that's really... Like you know in your in your good common sense head that that animal has zero chance of predicting anything that it's fun, it's nostalgic, people enjoy it, that there's that little slither of hope that you want him to say, nobody ever wants more winner, never. But there's that little bit of like letdown that comes when you hear, he saw his shadow, he went back into his hole, six more weeks of winter, and then your day's like, oh no, Phil, why'd you do that to me? And then, but the rest of the year we're like, oh, that's, you know, that's cute. It's part, it's become part of culture, but we don't actually, I hope we don't actually put a whole lot of like, I guess, faith into Phil. Because if I was filming, I'd just come out and run circles. You wouldn't know what I was thinking. (laughs) All right. I'm thinking you need to stick with us. We've got more for you and a great guest. He's got a movie premiering tonight coming up next. things. We are on computer, your mobile device. You can also watch it on Roku and Amazon Fire TV devices as well as Ceasefire TV. If you got that, we are on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel. But if you want to watch the new Mysterious Circumstances, it's a movie that was written and produced by Clark Ritchie of Baldwin. You'll have to tune in tonight to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And he's joining us today to tell us a little bit more. Hey, Clark.
5: Hey, Rebecca. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, congratulations, buddy. It's a big night for you.
5: It is. I mean there are a lot of independent films made uh in mississippi and other states and to reach the point that you actually get a televised uh pbs broadcast of your feature film not a documentary not a uh an educational or a historical uh piece but an actual narrative feature film ours is about history and that therefore it's good for pbs but to get that on it's a big deal for us we're really pleased with it. it's on seven o'clock tonight across the state of mississippi all the uh PBS television stations.
1: So you wrote this and you produced it. So it's called Mysterious Circumstance. How do you describe it?
5: Well, uh I call it a uh a western actually. It's a time when Mississippi was the far west in the country. It was 1809. We were we were still uh being settled here in this part of the country. I'm a great student of history and very interested in that and especially the history of the area that I'm from, which is North Mississippi. And so this this Natchez-Trace history has always intrigued me. The fact that the Andrew Jacksons and the Meriwether Lewises and the Aaron Burrs of the world traveled right up and down in this area, and it's really not talked about that much anymore. And so it's always something that's really drawn my attention. And then the fact that Meriwether Lewis, of Lewis and Clark fame, died suspiciously within just a few miles of where I'm from on the Natchez-Trace It's a story that's just not well-known and should be.
1: So how did you go about, I guess, researching for it? It feels like if there was a clear, you know, understanding of everything that happened, then it would have maybe, you know, more publicized. Or maybe there are some good facts that you found that just went missing. I mean, but this was 200 years ago or, or more. So how did you sort of do the research or whatever behind it?
5: Well, the good thing about this particular story is that it's, uh, disputed by many well-versed uh, historians even today. The uh, conventional wisdom is that Meriwether Lewis committed suicide, but as you might suspect in the early 1800s, basically it's one person uh, that you just have to take his word for it or her word for it that that's what happened. There is no photographic evidence that people are buried before there's any investigation, so you just pretty much have to take somebody's word for it. But over time many pieces of information uh surfaced that made some historians and a lot of people in the area think that something else happened to Meriwether Lewis, not just uh he, he got distraught and committed suicide, which really was outside of his character as being the he was the American hero, he was the astronaut of his day, he was the Charles Lindbergh, you know, and he was at the highest level in American uh popularity at the time of his death. And it's just strange that he would have killed himself in the middle of nowhere. And we go into all the reasons behind why it could have been one way or why it could have been another.
1: And Clark, you mentioned this is not a documentary, although it's based in history. It's why it's perfect for PBS uh, to sort of pick it up. So how did you, as a producer and a writer, take this incredibly interesting story, riddled and laced with facts or sort of uh, folklore or all in between, but then create staying true to the facts but then create like but a story not a documentary does that make sense like how how did you do that
5: (laughs) well as i said i've always been interested in history and the many stories of the natchez trace and rural uh frontier mississippi frontier tennessee uh and, and on into the west but this particular story happened essentially in one location in a couple of days with a smaller cast and so for an independent filmmaker, that's a really ideal situation. We have this monumental story that takes place on a sort of a small scale, so we could wrap our heads around it and go out there in Tishomingo County and get it done. We got John Schneider, Bo Duke, Duke Hazard Jonathan Kent from Smallville, and and uh, he's one of our he's our headline actor. We got Evan Williams playing uh, Meriwether Lewis. He was. Uh, he currently has a, a show. He's the lead in a show on the Hallmark channel right now. And then a lot of Mississippi actors and some other LA actors. And we just gathered a, it's like a, almost the old Our Gang comedies. We just got a group together and put a show on.
1: What was it like for you, Clark, to sort of watch it go from your idea on paper, number one, just as sort of a passion project, something you were interested in, to then to, you know, writing a screenplay, I would, I would assume, or how you write, you write it, and then watching it be produced? Was it crazy to see it all unfold?
5: Uh, looking back on it, Rebecca, it feels like that we walked a razor's edge to the only possible successful outcome. Uh, You know, everything seemed to happen. It, it's very appropriate that we're on good things because everything seemed to happen exactly as it had to happen for us to successfully complete this project. Um, it's very gratifying, obviously, to write something and then see it acted out on screen, especially with super performers like we have in the film. Uh The very first day I was ever directing a movie, I had john schneider and some daniel boone buckskins riding full speed on a horse in the middle of nowhere up to a log cabin and jumping off with his rifle uh you know it doesn't get any better than that for me
1: oh i can only imagine how long did it take you guys to shoot the film
5: we shot the the film in i think it was 14 14 active shooting days over about uh 18 or 19 days so certainly not a long shoot uh But we got it done, and that's, again, back to the efficiency of being able to shoot the story in generally one location. Uh, We shot at Tishomingo State Park in Tishomingo, and then we shot at a cabin uh, of 1840s. Very fortunate that we found an 1840s-level cabin um, over there in Tishomingo County as well. So we had a lot of great support from the state, from the Mississippi Film Office, and from Mississippi Parks and Rec, and uh parks parks department. Uh I mean they were they were behind us from the start and made it easy to get the film done.
1: Now, Clark, do you leave us hanging at the end or do you kind of wrap it in a bow? Or I mean, how do you Well, you can't tell us the ending, but you can, you know, and yeah, what can you tell us?
5: I, I'll tell you this. I don't wrap it in a bow. Huh? Oh. It's not wrapped in a bow. So, it's is there's plenty of uh of evidence in the film i think to let you know what i think but i don't just uh knock it down to where uh you you can't think anything else so nobody will I'll, ever I'll, really I'll, I'll leave it at that yeah right
1: well that gives us the opportunity to tune in you mentioned it it's uh premieres tonight you said 7 p.m. for us here in Mississippi. Right. If That's we right. happen to miss it or don't set our DVR, Clark, is there anywhere where we can stream it, go back and look at it? Will it be on PBS, like kind of in rotation for a little while?
5: It will, it will not be in PBS on rotation, but you will be able to stream it elsewhere. In the very near future, you can already rent and buy it on Amazon and iTunes and places like that. Fantastic. But as far as free television broadcast tonight, 7 p.m., on Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
1: Okay, so that's Mysterious Circumstance. Do you have another uh, film in the works? Do you still have your you know history hat on looking to do more production in Mississippi?
5: I definitely have my history hat on, and we are continuing to work with Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We've uh, reached an agreement with them to uh, investigate some other productions in the very near future, and we'll have more details on that soon.
1: You mentioned the first sort of a scene that you shot. Were there any other behind-the-scenes that you wish folks got to see or knew about as they go into watching the premiere tonight? Any fun facts or memorable moments?
5: Well, Meriwether Lewis suffered a lot when he died. He suffered a long time. And our actor, Evan Williams, really just was able to bring that out because, honestly, Rebecca, it was 37 degrees, and he had a gown on. So he was able to actually suffer and then that suffering transferred right over onto the screen. And so I think he did a wonderful job, but we had some, you know, to, to make a period piece that's about uh, the frontier, you have to go out into the frontier. So we were out in the frontier. It was cold. It was March in Mississippi in 2021. And we, we had a great group of people that just sucked it up and got it done. And Evan Williams did a great job. I think you'll see, if you watch the movie you'll see how he suffers and just know that it was really, really cold when that happened.
1: Well, I hope you pop yourself some good buttery popcorn pour yourself something stout and strong and sit back and enjoy your moment. You've earned it, Clark as well as the rest of the cast and crew and everybody that made it happen. So again, congratulations that's 7 o'clock tonight on PBS. That's Mysterious Circumstance you can also stream it or buy it on YouTube or Amazon as well. So anytime you're in the air clark stop by and say hi
5: i sure will thank you so much rebecca
1: all righty you guys stick with us we got some more good things for you coming up next Welcome back to Good Things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. You can also watch us. We're at supertalktv.com. You can also subscribe to the Super Talk Mississippi News this week in Mississippi newsletter, and you'll get the news stories you need to know from the most powerful name in Mississippi news delivered to your email inbox. So to sign up, it's free. Go to supertalk.fm slash newsletter. I love to see a food that I so enjoy. Get its own day. You know, French fries have their day. That's cool. I'm sure chips have their day, but today's National Tater Tot Day. And I feel like they're the unassuming side item to burgers, chicken tenders, really anything that you can think of. They're as versatile as nachos. And even more so, really, than sometimes French fries because they kind of hold on to things a little bit better. But you know, particularly when you go to, I think maybe Sonic, maybe the only one that offers both. Y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. You have they're the biggest. They're the biggest that has the. They ask you uh, tots or fries, and there's you're either a tot person or you're a fry person. But if I have the opportunity, I'm always going for the tots. Do you like tater tots?
2: I'm not opposed to tater tots, but when you Shred up potatoes and then put them back together and fry them. I associate that with breakfast.
1: So like um, so like hash browns. So like hash browns. So, But have you ever had, like, did your mom ever make a tater tot casserole? Oh, yeah. Which I think. That was
2: actually one of the few things I looked forward to when they had it for lunch at school. Because that was one of the few things that they made that actually had flavor and tasted good.
1: Apparently here in the United States, we consume approximately 3.5 billion. They call them nuggets. I just don't think of them as, as potato nuggets. That's that's not a good PR move. No, <laughs> tots are definitely a better way to go than potato nuggets. I would never got my kid to eat potato nuggets if that's how you had to order them off the off the menu.
2: I feel like potato nuggets are a smaller <laughs> cousin to the JoJo. They're just a breaded piece of potato that got fried.
1: Kind of like the corn nugget.
2: Kinda. But well, instead of the sweetness of corn, you just get potato.
1: I've always wondered how the corn nugget evolved. I mean, you had corn and then but you have to want to deep fry it into a nugget. It's not individual kernels. So one day someone said, Let's clump together kernel or almost cream style kernely corn. Not cream, but not kerneled. C- creamily kerneled. And then let's see what happens. It had to come from a fair. If I had to, like, without any knowledge whatsoever, guess the history or the creation of corn nuggets, it had to come from a state fair where they were just, let's throw it all in the, in the grease and see what sticks. And am I right?
2: Um, kind
1: of. I'm going with to yes
2: would be well, the appropriate it, word. It dates back to pre Columbian Native Americans.
1: They got tired of just eating corn on the cob. Base okay, so that's the other route it took. But what then else it became can we do with
2: Insanely this? popular at world's fairs across Europe and was attributed to the southern United States because we deep fry everything, but now it's believed that it started as far back native americans
1: but i can understand like how we got to fried okra because i know y'all are gonna cuss me but to me fried okra is the best way to eat okra and if you don't have a really good palate for maybe okra and tomatoes or whatever you probably grew it or found it in the wild and you thought well this is awful let's just throw it in the grease and see what happens because it doesn't feel natural just to have certain things that we eat fried. That you like, whoever started that, or if it was like an oops, I mean, or if you just had somebody that was like, let's just experiment, let's just throw it <laughs> from the time they were able to heat grease, let's just figure out what all we can toss off in there.
2: Now, I've I've never seen anybody eat corn fritters as they're called. We're calling them corn nuggets. With any of these side, like they they say, corn fritters may be served with jam, fruit, honey, or cream, what? or maybe even served with maple syrup. What? What are you doing to the corn nugget? <laughs> it's just a corn nugget. Eat it. It's a side. You don't have to put jam on it.
1: When I, there is a fat. Is it? Is it Abner's? No, not Abner's. What is the? What is the chicken place? I know there's one in Quitman. There may be another. It may be Abner. No, it can't be Abner's. That um, it's not Ward's. I'm trying to think. That I think has corn nuggets. It's kind of like they're sick. Somebody's screaming at me right now. It's probably my husband. Because <laughs> I, I can see it, but I can't, I can't think of the name of it. But I think of eating it like, t- it's like tater tots. You get them, it's just sort of a side to a burger or to a hot dog or to whatever you're, you're going to be. I do not think of it as a delicacy to have with jams and jellies and
2: all the things. I mean, I love maple syrup. I've never in my wildest dreams imagined putting maple syrup on corn fritters.
1: No, but now that you say it.
2: I still don't want to try not it. Not
1: corn syrup. I'm thinking, you said maple syrup? Maple or? syrup. Is it syrup or syrup? Either one. <laughs> <laughs> how might we give that a try before? Ms. April
2: Sizzurp. how about that?
1: I don't know. All right, stick with us. We got more coming up next. You got the boys with sports talk from three to six. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. A and M.